Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, January 10th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Take advantage of their Terra Luna Intel report on Telegram, bringing you the hottest news and updates on all things Terra each and every day. Find it by using the link in the show notes. You can also support their community efforts by considering them next time you're delegating or redelegating your Luna. For more information, check out orbitalcommand.io. Today on the Ether, we have the DeFi on Terra workshop hosted by the Orbital Command Terra Investment Strategy Discord with Lunomics. Come by, check it out. Links in the show notes. Uh, let's take a listen. That seems like there's some people coming in. I think I'm Dan B's on this call as well. Yeah. Uh, hey, Rebel. How's it going? Hey, man. Good, thanks. Seeing you've been pretty active in the, the Discord. It seems pretty good. There's so much going on, I can't stay on top of it. So great oh, yeah. in there. Sure. Putting some people out. What are you thinking of talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to do something that I did for my local meetup group here, like in my town. So I just okay. did this kind of like broad spectrum, like what can you do with Luna, like all the different use cases. So like going into staking versus bonding, talking about like the N Lunas, the Y Lunas, the P Lunas, just kind of everything you can wow. do with them. Yeah, we'll stop tour. Sounds good. Yeah. First, I got to figure out what you, how Prism works, though, because I can't talk about that quite yet, but everything else I'm good on. <laughs> Man, I'm so excited for Prism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, like, Luna, Lunomics is stacking a lot of Luna with this strategy here, but I, I just think Prism, if it goes as... If the price of um, Luna goes as crazy as people are thinking i think prism might be a good way to to do well out of that can you guys hear me yep. yeah i got gotcha. you okay cool just want to make sure howdy howdy yes how you doing hey good thanks guys the man the myth the legend he's here folks joseph andy oh yeah yeah he's been here <laughs> rebel <laughs> Rebel DeFi, I like that. What do what do you mean by rebel DeFi? <clears throat> is that like DeFi is for rebellious people, or you are a rebel doing DeFi? No, I I don't know. I just like Star Wars. <laughs> so I know, the, rebel, the rebellions, the rebellions are always the team that lose in the end. They're like oh, the underdogs. Yeah. <laughs> no, Empire DeFi, Empire DeFi, maybe nah, doesn't sound so good. <laughs> Uh, nice. I always thought it was like, in a way of DeFi being for the rebels, right? Not not traditional financing and, and going against the man, you know? <laughs> I always thought it was because of that. Yeah, no, I like that as well. That's good. That's what it means now. It's better than his initial idea. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it, it was always that. Let's, let's just accord that it was always oh, that. Yeah, keep it real. 
That's there's a good trivia question. What is the phrase embedded in the first block of Bitcoin? Oh, isn't it like something about like a New York paper or something? One of the headlines uh, or something? It's talking about something like that. Yeah, I think it was referring to the Bank of uh, England or something uh, approving another bailout package, some you know enormous amount of money. Sorry. Um, yeah. What was the mouth okay. The Times, 3rd of January, 2009, Chancellor on brink of a second bailout for the banks. Satoshi Nakamoto, the pseudonymous inventor of Bitcoin, included this message from the Times New York article or newspaper article uh, on the day the block was produced. That was back in what year? There's another quiz question. 2009. 2009. Yeah, I think that's right. It might have, yeah. January 3rd. I think, yeah. Yep. 2009. Very cool. <clears throat> and that was definitely, you know, an effort to get away from banks. Um, so I think there's in the ethos of cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. This undercurrent of rebellion, maybe against the system. Um, so definitely a place there, but now it's becoming mainstream and the, you know, even banks are jumping into crypto. So, it's crazy. The hey, Joseph, you just gave time. me an idea. What do you guys think about a crypto trivia contest sometime? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great <laughs> that's idea. Awesome. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, we could include that in some of our workshops. Um, I've created some cahoots. Um, of course, we're virtual, so maybe we can do a screen share and people could just like uh, vote with Discord or something like that. But um, that's a great idea. I'll tell you, there's a Kahoot has been reinvented. The next one you want to try is Bluekit. It's kind of essentially it's the same as Kahoot, but it's gamified as well. And if you like, if you get lots of questions right, you can then go and steal money off other people. And oh, nice! The winner is not always the person that gets the most questions if you, right. If you if you get a question wrong, your anchor loan gets liquidated <laughs> instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Zion, that's actually interesting because have you been doing a bit of research into global yield? I haven't yet. I, I was actually going to look in that today. I, I haven't had time. Because what, one of the things they're doing is it's like a, a lossless lottery. Mm. So essentially, it's, they take it. Well, they don't take your money, but you put your money in, and then fifteen percent of your anchor yield goes into the lottery pot, but you're still making five percent. Um, not not hugely amazing, but then obviously if you win the lottery, it'd be quite nice. Are you gonna Are you gonna be using it? Um, it's something we need, we should maybe ask them about because there was there's also a another I've forgotten the name of it, but there's there's another sort of level of people who can deposit into that fund. I think it's like I don't know if it's sponsors or something like that. So if Orbital Command put some money in there, we would still have all their money. We wouldn't get any interest, and then. Or interest would just go straight into the prize pot. It might be that then they shout out who their sort of seed, not seed investors, but who their sponsor type investors are. So then what happens with the funds then? And I don't want to keep this conversation going too long because obviously we want to start the. Sorry, I was thought we were just shooting the shit. Well, until Joseph says, <laughs> let's go. We got Big Hutch in here as well. Um, Maybe we could kick off Andy or Zion. Maybe you guys could uh, give us kind of intro to this Discord space and uh, uh, Orbital Command, and uh, and then you can spin it over to me. I'll I'll get the workshop kicked off. Yeah, sure. So 
Um, we started doing these different events on here in the Discord channel, and they're going to be aimed at a variety of different topics um, that people think are interesting. This one's focused, obviously, on uh, DeFi and Terra, so protecting your um, seed phrase and just like different basic security measures for uh, obviously as you operate on Terra in the DeFi space. And then also, I believe, Joseph, weren't we going to discuss some synthetic stocks with Spectrum and Apollo as well? Yeah, depending on what people are interested in, um, we will uh, shift the conversation, but we could jump into like reporting tools. We could jump into uh, uh, synthetic stocks, auto compounders, um, but yeah. we definitely want to start off with wallet security. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're good topics to cover. And, and just for people, um, just for people's understanding. So um, myself, uh, my name is Zion. We got Joseph in here. We got Rebel DeFi. Um, I'm not sure if anyone else from the Orbital team is on here. I don't know how to, I'm not super familiar with the way Discord works here. Um, but uh, yeah, we're all from Orbital Command. So Orbital Command is a community validator on Terra. So we try and support the community effort in a variety of different ways, whether that be through educational things that we do like this, um, as well as different tweet threads and videos. I'm sure many of you guys have seen uh, some of Rebel DeFi's videos that he does and a variety of different stuff like that. So we just try and support the community in, in different ways. And obviously this Discord channel is focused on different investment strategies on Terra. And this event is specifically kind of complementary to that in different ways with synthetic stocks and then also with security measures as you you know implement some of these different investment strategies so i think joseph you can just kick it off now if you'd like fantastic well thank you really appreciate it we're super excited about how many people have gotten onto the server we're up to uh, 1600 so uh, clearly there's a man and uh, discord seems to be a nice place compared with like um Twitter for having these uh, type of conversations. And I like the fact that we can share our screen. And, and you know, when I started out with Terra, I came to the meetups back in May that Orbital Command had started on Zoom um, and meetup.com. And they, you know, Shaw and, and some others would share their screen and just kind of show how to deposit money in Anchor. It really gave me the confidence to jump in and and trust this little random website with my money. And <laughs> um, so I like this this format. So anyway, you guys, there's a channel voice questions. So feel free to post your questions there. And uh, and your Zion or anyone, if you guys um, uh, can read those out to me every once in a while, that'd be helpful. Um, but I wanted to start out, and I don't know what the level of a you know experience we have. I, I see Finn and Hutch, which I know are been around for a while and uh, low on cyan. Um, but I think still, even for advanced users, it's valuable to uh, talk about wallet security. Um, and I wanted to share a couple of my experiences. So I had $10,000 stolen um, from my Ethereum wallet out of MetaMask. And it was an old wallet that I had kept the seed phrase, I think, on my hard drive um, and wasn't really careful enough. Um, and I didn't have much money in there, but then when I did add some Ethereum, um, it got drained about an hour later, and so I've been careful ever since. It's it's a it's a terrible experience, you know, and you feel like you've been taken advantage of, and um, 
so that's just something I think that we need to to be careful about. And I've since you know switched to a hardware wallet. I have a ledger that I use, um, and I'm also I never write my seed phrases down electronically. I just keep them on paper. And I wanted to ask other people kind of what techniques they use also. Uh, so maybe we can uh, feel free to share those. But I'm sharing my screen right now, and this is the Ledger Nano X. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, this is a great little device. It's very simple. Joseph, you know, you, Joseph, yep. could you um, start the event officially? It looks like you have to like click start event. Yes. I don't know exactly what that does. This is my first time being in one of these, to be honest. But I just wanted to make sure that we did start it, whatever that means. Yeah. Good idea. Thank you. Cool. That should uh, notify more and more people to jump in here. How this goes, typically it starts off with a few and ends up with a lot. So welcome everybody as you're jumping in. We're just getting kicked off and we're talking about wallet security. Then we'll move into some other DeFi topics as we go. Um, so, all right, let me ask a survey here and just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the voice questions channel. Uh, if you use a hardware wallet, does everyone see that channel? It's right next to the lounge, um, and we'll get we'll have a little informal survey here. But anyway, this uh, the nice thing about a, a hardware wallet is that it, the seed phrase never gets stored electronically, and so you know if you're to store your seed phrase like on a hard drive of a Windows machine, you know that could be vulnerable to um, hacking, etc. Um, so the hardware wallet plugs in via USB to your uh, laptop and you have to sign the transaction um and so it sends the transaction to the hardware wallet and then um signs it but the seed phrase never itself gets uh, transmitted to the um to the screen so here's my you know this is what a hardware wallet looks like it plugs in via usb um and so it, you know you have to have one more step where you have to like press the hardware wallet to sign the transactions uh, but when you're dealing with any, you know, type of valuable money, that uh, is kind of a small price to pay, I think. Yeah, I have a separate wallet, too, that uh, I use with a smaller amount of money in it. That if I want to do like an NFT minting or something that requires a little bit more speed, um, I can use that wallet as well. So another thing I wanted to share is this. I, I was working with um, someone on my team, and I had asked them to do some research about Kajira. And the, the I think it's... Uh, there's actually a little bot on Telegram that you can use to find out when um, Kajira liquidates uh, loans. This is what it looks like. It's called Dale the Whale. And so it's super simple. You know, you just uh, say Kajira and then subscribe liquidations, and it'll send you a little liquidation every time that liquidations happen. And you can even uh, type in your specific address. Um, and so that's nice. but. I was asking uh, this this guy on my team, hey, could you go look at this and and uh, um, tell me what all the features are and stuff and, and see what you think. And he um, went into a Telegram channel, which was, I think, a scam and sent them to this website. So this in, is a scam, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and there's a ways that you can identify that. One is it's not HTTPS. So there would never be a page that had a connect wallet without HTTPS. So that's a red flag right there. Uh, sync mains. I mean, it looks legit, right? So it says, hey, manage your wallet. But if you look at it, it's like not really anything specific to a protocol. 
And it's, it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo, really. If you click on these, they all just take you to the same page where they're just listing all the wallets, right? And so if you were to connect to this page with your wallet and approve a transaction, then it could drain your wallet. And so just be aware of, of these things. Um, you know, don't use a, a, a web page unless you trust it and it's come from it's can't, comes from a trusted source. Um, and don't ever connect your wallet or approve transactions. What's that? So something to look forward to look out for on the security side. And and these uh, Telegram channels, they can look pretty legitimate. You know, if you get invited to a Telegram channel and they might even have they're getting pretty sophisticated where they'll have people that look legitimate. But if they're asking you for your seed phrase or if they're asking you to go, you know, buy an NFT then, or to, you know, do something, then be careful. I mean, if you, if you trust the source, then it's probably okay. But um, just be aware that these scams are out there. Cool. All right. Any questions on that? Any comments? Any other tips people have seen? I have a comment on that. Go for it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so going back to that uh, scam site, uh, one interesting thing that I like to do as well, too, is basically you can go when you press F12, it will show you inspector mode. And a lot of times with scam sites, they'll ask you to put your seed phrase in and you can actually see that you are sending your seed phrase to them. So that's absolutely one thing you never want to do is type your seed phrase into a browser when you see that a post is happening to a remote server. But I don't think that's what this one's doing. My speculation on what this one's actually doing is it's asking your permission to approve spending on your wallet. So when you're hitting connect and you're watching these things in MetaMask, like really pay attention to what you're giving permission to. If you see allow unlimited spending, like you should really think, why do I want to allow them to unlimitedly spend my money? Good point. Yeah, those are great points. Joseph, you were saying you wanted Zion and I to watch out for something, but I, I'm unaware. I can't see this channel. You suggested we should look at what's it called? Yeah, I don't see There's... the voice questions channel either. Oh, I see maybe questions, it's it's... not voice questions. It's right above the lounge. Maybe the property is maybe it's not public. Um... Oh, it's a private channel. <laughs> okay, that would be why. Oh yeah, let here we go. That... Yep, got it. Fixes it. Thank you. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. Cool. Any other experiences? Anyone else been rug pulled or scammed or have money stolen from there? My other friend here in Austin, Texas at ATX DAO had $500,000 stolen and he's just beside himself. You know, he's been in Bitcoin for a long time. He does like Bitcoin ATMs and, and to have that amount of money stolen is, is terrible. And, you know, he works with Chainalytics and they're trying, they can see the wallets that stole the money. Like here's the the transaction that stole the money from my wallet. And so I can see, you know, exactly uh, the amount of money, the 2.7 ether and I, and what wallet it went to. Um, you know, this was my wallet. This is the destination wallet. And then from here it went to another wallet. Um, but there's, there's not a lot I can do about it. When it goes to a centralized exchange, then they can freeze that account. Um, or if it goes into like some other way, some services, they might be able to um, tie it to an individual. So anyway, be you know, self-custody is great, but uh, you have to be uh, using best practices. And as long as you use best practices, you're 
you're going to be very secure. I also uh, keep my seed phrases backed up on paper. I never write them down electronically. Um, and I keep them in a kind of a notebook uh, that I have. And then I keep two copies of that notebook, one in a secure location close by, and then another one like in a, a bank security vault um, that I can go check out that's not going to be <clears throat> impacted. Like if there's a whatever natural disaster, uh, it should be safe. Um, so that's, those are my techniques. I know there's other techniques that people use, um, like splitting your seed phrase into three pieces of paper uh, with two thirds of that seed phrase on each one of those three papers. So you have to have two papers uh, of those three to be able to use the seed phrase. Um, and that way, if you know one of those seed, one of those pieces of paper is compromised, that's not sufficient uh, to steal the seed phrase. So there's a, a number of uh, techniques to protect those seed phrases. And I predict in the future that you know biometrics will become a thing, social proofing, um, you know, ability to recover a, a wallet based on you know your social connections, et cetera. And, and I'm sure that will become more sophisticated. We're kind of still in the early stages. So some of these things haven't been fully developed. <laughs> All right, very cool. The next thing I wanted to talk about, unless there's any other comments on that, um, is how I track my portfolio. Um, and I was curious about what other tools you guys use. Um, Eight board, I think, is the best portfolio tracker uh, for Terra, and you can put in your uh, wallet address and. Um, it'll show your balance uh, per application. And then I just track that over time in a spreadsheet that looks uh, something like this. I've uh, whited out the values, but I just have like, you know, the eight board and then the application and then what each day my balance is and then what the... Uh, the gains and losses are. And that gives me a good idea of how each um, application is performing and helps me make decisions uh, based on which um, application I want to be in. And, and you know, there's different strategies. Uh, I think Lunomics talks about how to use leverage. Uh, for me, um, I like to diversify and I'm, I'm not currently using leverage. Uh, sometimes I do, but not right now. And I like to have, you know, some synthetic stocks, some in Anchor, and then uh, of course, I'm in, in Luna, um, but that, you know, I've been around in crypto en enough that I know it's volatile. And uh, so I'd like to have <clears throat> some more. And that's one of the reasons I came to Terra in the first place is that it had that option that was independent of the crypto market. You have a sta good stable coin and you have a good um, steady uh, yield uh, in Anchor. So very cool. And, and synthetic stocks are another way to uh, be protected from some of the crypto volatility. Um, so anyway, that's the way I track my portfolio. Any other yeah. tips you guys, any good tools you found? I'm a big fan of uh, stake.tax. It's a tool that uh, Hogger wrote. And I know TrackTerra is coming out soon. I'm looking forward to seeing that once it's out of alpha. But on here, you can literally just paste in your Terra address and it will give you a CSV uh, list of like every transaction that you've made. And um, then you can take something like that and you can import it into different uh, tax software. So he supports things like Coin Tracker, Acquainting, Coinly, and you just import it into that tax software. And then in there, they're very tailored to like tracking whether it was a, uh, 
a staking rewards, an airdrop, uh, a swap fee, a deposit, uh, internal transfer, and it does a really good job of uh, getting you prepped for tax season. And you can see nice. you just made it open source. So uh, I definitely encourage people with development skills to help contribute to it. Very cool. Yeah, I've been working with a tax accountant to try to do that. And it's not fully complete quite yet. <laughs> um, you can't exactly just import it and it works. So the Terra Luna ecosystem moves so quickly that um, not everything's kind of built out yet. But I'm looking forward to hopefully that they figure that out before <laughs> April comes around. Um, but thank you. That is a good tool. Yeah. Uh, Coin Tracker, I think, is another one. Uh, that's pretty popular and there's cointracker.io and that'll show your your dashboard your portfolio um, and then it'll actually estimate your taxes per year um, this works pretty well with coinbase you have to go over to coinbase and you add an api key that's read only and so it's a pretty secure way to allow this to automatically suck out the transactions uh, from coinbase or ftx or kucoin or the other ones, centralized exchanges. And then you can also add your wallet addresses and their wallet address is getting there. It's not quite there yet for Terra, but um, this is a pretty good tool also. Um, and the third one is cointracking.info, which is very similar to Cointracker, but <laughs> it's a separate tool. And I've heard good things about this as well. I've used kind of both of these tools and they're pretty good for portfolio management are these are these things you have to pay for or are these free uh you you do have to pay for the some of the premium features like getting your tax estimate um or if you have a certain number of uh, if you're above a certain number of transactions so i can't remember exactly how much it is like 60 or 70 dollars per month i think um but they have different levels View pricing. Okay, yeah, there's a fourteen dollars a month for the enthusiast and the nineteen ninety per month for the pro. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious. I think crypto tax software is gonna be huge, not only this year, but in the coming years as well. And I think we're gonna see a lot of acquisitions by centralized exchanges when it comes to uh some of the crypto tax software companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I need to figure out a way to track my own taxes. I think tax season's coming up now and I'm uh I'm just trying to figure out how to best go about it. It's, especially when you're in the DeFi space. Like there's so many transactions, there's so many things that you're doing on a regular basis. It's hard to track all of it. Yeah, I almost think that there'll be like the incentive to maybe go to a country that is crypto friendly, right? Singapore. Um, just because they don't tax on transactions, but <clears throat> I think that, yeah, it, it needs to mature. We're definitely with ATX now trying to help legislators um, make good policy. Right now it's you know based on the legacy financial system, but um, I think if you do a good job of tracking your expenses and, um, and your losses as well as your gains, then you, know, you can minimize your taxes as much as possible. So um, definitely, some work to be done there. Um, okay, cool. And you're just, All right. yeah, jump in with a quick question, Joseph. Like you were talking about updating your spreadsheet. How, how often do you do that? Uh, I do that daily, actually. 
Uh, I have someone do it for me. That's a cool thing about DeFi is you can just give them your wallet address and then they can access your information, you know, without being able to, you know, change your anything in your account. Um, and so they update that spreadsheet for me daily. Was there another question? Yeah, so I actually have the subscription for Coin Tracker for the taxes, and it does pretty good. But if you're doing anything in like the social liquidity pools, or a lot of times just the liquidity pool going in and out, you might have to manually put in what the value is of those. Because I had a good number of transactions over the year, uh, but there were like 700 transactions that they wanted me to manually go and fix. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, that it's a, it's a good one, but if you're looking at something like that, uh, you could probably try the free account and see if there are any uh, transactions that need to be manually done before you make that commitment. Good, good tip. Thank you. That's one of the uh, changes that we just recently made to stake.tax that's pretty awesome is anything that's not supported yet on there, it will create like a differential CSV. So like all this stuff that will be like natively integrated into coin tracker or Cointeen uh, will be in one CSV. Then everything that you don't have modules written for yet will go into another CSV. So you kind of basically have a checklist of things like it's like, these are the things I have to put in and put in my LP positions. Or if it's like a new protocol came out that there's no support for yet. But uh, yeah, I, d I definitely feel the pain on there and I'm trying to help solve that problem. Awesome. Yeah, Dan, I think uh, Thomas, who I'm working with, might have reached out to you or your team. So thank you for your efforts on that. Yeah, uh, I don't own stake.tax. Uh, that's Hogger. But uh, me and one of my devs, we contribute to it. Gotcha. Just because I think it's a great product. Very cool. Excellent. Really appreciate you uh, making that happen. All right. Let's take a quick break and crack a Levana egg. This is kind of something I've done on my uh, on my workshops, and it's just kind of fun. So last time we got Ooh. some meteor dust, and the time before that I got an egg. So we'll see uh, what happens this time. This is an ancient meteor, uh, number 1984. Uh, I'm not sure what these are going for right now on random earth, but um, they're supposed to have like a 30% chance of being an egg, so we'll see. <laughs> Anyway, let me queue up my uh, ledger here. And has anyone else uh, gotten into Levana eggs? And no, have they gotten their potions already to uh, nest it? Okay, here it goes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, ready. I'm I'm ready for the nesting station to launch. I'm excited for it. I have uh, I have an egg that an ancient egg that uh, I'm pretty excited to hatch. Nice. All right, drum roll, drum roll. Fingers crossed. <laughs> this is like a game with like real stakes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting man oh hey nice. we got an egg That's all right nice. <laughs> you guys are all nice. good luck thank you that um, looks cool yeah cool looks nice looks rare yeah these are I, they're nice they're aesthetically pleasing um and it's cool i think just because it has the potential to become a dragon and, and he knows what other integrations it'll have so all right that was fun what's the what's the composition on that uh let's see composition so fluorine uh on the bottom i was just looking to see what potion you needed for the nesting okay calcium nitrogen how do the how do the potions work like 
Sure. So depending on the, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on it, but the type of egg, whether you have a rare, ancient, or legendary, actually legendary might not have potions perhaps, uh, but you would just need to find, yeah, the composition that matches the egg. So in this case, the phosphorus would be for a rare egg. The zirconium is for an ancient egg. So when you're on random earth, if you search by composition, so like I have an ancient egg that needs nickel, and I've been bidding on potions that have nickel as the ancient composition. Gotcha. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. And then they're going to release some more information later on about if you have potions that aren't matching, so like your ancient egg doesn't match the ancient potion, but the other items are going to affect the attributes. So if you have horns or colors or eye size or wings, that kind of stuff. Okay, interesting. So pretty much you can nest the egg and actually hatch it to get a dragon. You need to have a potion that matches your egg. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. if you had a common egg, you would just want a potion with a common element of oxygen. For this one, it's an ancient egg, so you'd want nickel. Uh, this is where the value for the uh, for the meteor dust is going to come. Okay, now I'm seeing. But you only need a quarter of a bottle for nesting. And don't use a common element that also has legendary components because you'd be wasting it. Um, that's important. Gotcha. Mm. I'm yeah, learning cool. more about Lavana today than I really expected to. This is awesome. <laughs> I'm a Lavana uh, mod if anybody's interested. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. That's good enough. Okay. Hey, actually, Church. I do have a question for you. I have a bottle that is half, and it's for ancient, and it's, uh, well, it's got that nickel property that I've been talking about. Can I use that same bottle twice, or is it only good once? And then I get a random meteor dust after the nesting. You get you get to keep your change. So if it's a half bottle, you you use the quarter for nesting, and then you get back a quarter bottle uh, NFT, and you'll be able to use that on I guess either another egg or uh, you know, creating battle gear or whatever yeah. for the avatar. Okay. Would it remain nickel or would it be a different? Well, it would be the same. It'd be oh, the nice. same. Yeah. That so will you be able to sell like quarter bottles of the meteor dust? Yeah, you'll be able there's there'll be the marketplace for so right now random earth is the biggest one, but if you go to nowhere art, nowhere.art uh updated their uh marketplace today and they added a section for Lavana called loot and dragons. So go just type in Lavana right there. And you'll see, oh yeah, mute and dragons. That, that was added today, so everybody in the channel is freaking out, like, "Oh, it's coming, it's coming." Um, so those are going to be two more categories of Levon NFTs, and um, you know, price is really going up from the floor from minting. So it's gone up four x and priced in Luna. So, um, and the eggs become dragons. I don't see why they wouldn't be priced close to, you know, uh, why wouldn't they be as worth as much as Galactic Punks or more? Because um, they'll have more utility once the game launches and then the platform launch, the protocol launches for trading. So 
and there's really- money that's and there's like real investment that's went into getting the dragon to that point you know to get yeah. it to actually be hatched you know and once they grow as well like obviously they'll grow from being a baby dragon to an adult sized dragon as well right yeah and every egg and bottle has something called a spirit level which is equal to the from the original minting wow yeah these are all common eggs right and i mean the common meteors were eight dollars of course there's only a 10 percent chance that it turned into an egg but uh still um just a, a pro tip, there's a, a spreadsheet Orbital Command put together um, has the original UST amount for every meteor. And if you follow the addresses, you can see um, how much those eggs cost originally, give you an idea whether it's a good buy or not. Cool. Shout out to Orbital Command. Those guys are amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, thank you, Thomas and Orbital Command. Very cool. All right, good. Thanks for dropping the alpha, though, guys, here on the Levana side of things. This is uh, news to me. Very cool. All right, cool. Well, the other thing I wanted to cover, how much this time do you have? This thing might start in, in two days. That's what I'm thinking. They haven't said for sure. Very, very soon is what they're saying. Two berries, you know? You got to <laughs> hold on to anything you can. Nice. Nice. Very cool. All right. Exciting. Uh, we're going to have to have an NFT workshop, apparently. Let's uh, let's get that scheduled. And uh, so on that note, um, we really want to involve you, the community, in having these workshops. And so we've started um, reaching out to anyone who's interested in um, doing a presentation. Uh, and so Church Key, I think if you are interested, we can just add an event and schedule uh, when, it, when it works for your schedule. Uh, to do a Levana NFT dragon egg uh, workshop um, specifically on that topic. So please let, reach out to us and let us know. Otherwise, we'll reach out to you. <laughs> All right. Very cool. Well, I'm going to switch back to um, D5 here and welcome everyone that has joined and uh, feel free to post questions. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I see a couple comments there about 8Board is great and uh, from Finn. Um <laughs> Thank you, Finn. Does that mean, Finn, that you're recording this session, or what does that mean? I guess this might be recorded. We probably should announce that at the beginning, but <laughs> uh, thank you, for, Finn, for all the work you do with the Terra Spaces to record the Twitter Spaces. I definitely listen to those myself. All right, this is um, Spectrum, and I'm, I'm not sure if you are all familiar with this or not, but this is a nice auto compounder tool. Um, and I've been measuring uh, Apollo and Spectrum, and recently my numbers kind of point to a slight um, uh, that spectrum is slightly better as far as um, how it performs over time. I think it does a little bit better job of auto compounding. My understanding is, and if anyone on here can correct me on this, is that it takes the long farming position um, and then auto compounds that. Um, and so you can see the exact uh, APRs over on mirror. Um, but my understanding is that spectrum and Apollo are basically taking this um, long position so say we are on tesla and you see that there's a 21 percent apr um, for the long position that's basically what you get paid on top of any price action uh, to farm the tesla so you split your you know um, tesla into a 
half uh, UST and half um, Tesla, and then you deposit that into uh, the pool. And that is basically the liquidity pool mechanism that allows um, the price of this M asset to stay pegged to the real world asset. And in return for your service of providing your uh, UST and M Tesla, you are rewarded these farming rewards, which is a cut of all the transaction fees that are happening against M Tesla. Now, if you're um, usually how liquidity pools work is if you are long on that asset, it's better just to hold that asset. But if there's um, sideways trading and if there's a lot of volume compared to the amount of liquidity pool uh, that that uh, is is uh, allocated to that pool, then being in the pool is going to be um, a better play than just holding the asset. And then, but there is some work if you use mirror directly where you have to like um, harvest your mirror rewards and then redeposit that into the pool. Um, whereas Spectrum does that all for you. And you can come over here and you can choose the uh, the asset that you're interested in and you can get into that pool. There's a both um, Terra uh, crypto assets like mine and ANC. And there's also real world synthetic assets like Amazon and Twitter. And you get paid uh, both in mirror rewards, which is this uh, red number, and then, or this crossed out gray number. And I think um, the APY is a function of the spectrum rewards that you're getting on top of that and the auto compounding that's happening for you. Um, so those two things combined is why this uh, red number is larger than that crossed out gray number. Any other comments on that? I'm sure there's some experts here um, that could tell us about auto compounding on synthetic assets. Andy, have you used Spectrum or Apollo, and what's your take on that? I wish I'd jumped on Spectrum a bit sooner. I think did it come out in like July? But then there was there was just seemed to be a lot of chat. People were saying, Where, "Where's this come from? Is this legit?" So it, it took me a few months to get into it. Um, I don't, I don't, I think I just prefer the Apollo interface. So even though the Spectrum numbers might be, I mean, I've got a little bit in Spectrum, but I, th I put more in Apollo. Just so I don't know if you guys can see reason. my. See my screen here. Oh, I don't think that's actually sharing. Um, sorry, I, need to, I wanted to show you a actual spreadsheet that I created. That, and this is where it comes in handy to track the daily amount. Um, and I'm just comparing. Let's resharing my screen. Okay, can you guys see that? Okay. Yep. Oh, so you've got the exact same. Okay. All right, so basically, yeah, so I've got the same amount deposited in Spectrum, and I've got M Microsoft, and then over day, each day, I can compare those two, and, and then I'm trying to uh, calculate the percent change. Um, so basically, I've got, you know, 16K in Spectrum and 16K in, in Microsoft. And you can see, you know, as the market goes up and down, it, it goes up and down as well. Um, so the Spectrum, and they're pretty close. Uh, but the spectrum seems to be doing uh, slightly better, maybe by a, a fraction of a percent. So they're they're pretty similar. But I'll keep I'll keep monitoring that. But then, anyway, that's just an example of my analysis um, that I do. All right, cool. Um, that's all I had on synthetic um, assets. I know there's also interesting tools, and I know that Andy, for example, uh, released a video on this, and I was trying this out. Um, myself which is you can deposit into anchor and earn 20 percent yield on that and then take that AUST and use that as collateral on mirror and then borrow against it and then swap it out for more ust and then redeposit that back into anchor so you're basically getting a leveraged play on anchor 
without leaving the Terra ecosystem. Um, Andy, one question I had is, what is the risk? Is the risk that that borrowed asset, say I borrow against silver, because I, I expect that to be a fairly stable priced asset, is the risk that that price will go up and that I will have to repay that with an asset that's now more expensive than what I borrowed, the price at which I borrowed against? Essentially, yeah. I think there was, um, if you, you know Clean Cuts, Dr. Clean, he's sort of, I'd say maybe more of a mirror expert, but he, he came out with a tweet thread quite recently saying it's not even that much of an issue, unless, unless the sort of the, the M asset that you're shorting, it goes up loads. You can, it's still worth doing if you, if you do it for a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the I other, sorry. I was just going to say the other question I had is how to measure it because in Ape Board, I don't think it was properly reporting like my borrowed asset because I expected that to be negative because that's what I owe rather than what I have. And so I need to uh, make sure the Ape Board is correctly uh, reporting it so I can actually measure it to see what my return is. What I was thinking of doing is setting up a, a specific wallet for this and then using the strategy in that wallet and measuring it um, so I can measure it more closely. Sounds nice. I'm just going to have a look at my eight board and see what it says. Oh, here's some good comments. Um, Mark Marco Luna says, I think the spec is doing a bit better job because Apollo pays a bunch of Apollo token that doesn't auto-compound with it. Oh, and Hutch is asking, how can we talk live on here? Yeah, you should be able to talk. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I want to jump in and get a couple of perspectives uh, when uh, uh, when it's convenient for the auto compounding, something I did extensively, but no longer do. Uh, if that'd be helpful to those who are still doing that. Yeah, go for it. Um, one thing to keep in mind are fees and Spectrum does have fees. And if you look at different pools, you will see that for some, the uh, Spectrum additional percentages make sense, like the anchor USD. Spectrum's actually paying you additional couple of percent on top of the fees that they're uh, that they're um, uh, withdrawing from each reward. So in a way, it's better than manually auto compounding the anchor USD pool. But for some other pools, uh, you can see that Spectrum does have like those five to six percent fees that actually makes it less less profitable. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked Apollo from that perspective. When they launched, they were very transparent. The fees were very low. And the 10%, I think, or so was invested in Apollo tokens. Now they're investing some of the rewards into Angel Protocol tokens. Um, what I don't like is they locked up the rewards and they're trickling down. So in a way, it's... Uh, and they have to protect the token, of course. But it's just if you want to earn it's not ideal. Now, the biggest thing about uh, compounding is your timeline and the APR and doing a lot of calculations. Um, if you have any APR that you're out of compounding, that's like less than 100 or 200% per year, uh, so that you can get the APY, right? The problem is that the curve where the APY starts really taking off from the APR is beyond six months. So unless you hold an auto compound and compound auto or manual, doesn't matter for less than like 
for like six, eight, ideally 12 months, right? You're not going to get the effects. The problem is some of these tokens drop significantly. Like I, I wanted to auto compound Valkyrie, right? Or Terra Flocky, even with the temperature, you know, it doesn't matter. The whole point is some even, an, you know, um, PSI, when you get these big volatile drops, then it just disrupts the, the curve. So you may not really get much with auto compounding unless you truly think that, you know, first, your entry price should be super low. And secondly, you should really believe in the longevity of the token. And obviously, then you look at some of these newer projects, it's really hard to tell. But for example, Astroport with this massive investment from Delphi maybe has a bright future and you see a lot of T, T, uh, value locked in it. So these are just some perspectives. I've stopped auto compounding. And uh, the only thing that, that I would say is worth compounding are Luna-based assets like Luna X and some of these other new uh, in Prism and some others that are truly, I mean, Luna will definitely right outperform almost any of the other tokens. And so from that perspective, to minimize my risk right now, um, the biggest investment is in these kinds of liquidity pools for me. And I would compound only Luna assets, even compounding Anchor, which is fantastic protocol. I mean, um, it's it's hard because of the volatility and uh, also the change in the APR. Right. Yeah, that's a, some great perspectives. I really appreciate that. And APY is a lie. That's why I you know, <laughs> measure it, what the actual APRs are. Um, and that's a good point is that you know, APYs can, you can get these crazy APYs that are like 85,000% here on, this is Wonderland. If you're familiar, this is over on the APAC, um, AVAX network. And I've, I jumped into this uh, about a couple months ago and I lost $50,000 <laughs> because it was at its height, right? Um, yeah. It was at, um, what was the price at? Was it something like $8,000 or something? This oh, is right. the yeah. You'll be able to calculate how long it will take you to recuperate that actually, and because their APY is in these thousands, I was calculating the APR APR being four, five, six, seven hundred. That means in a year you it will seven x. So if it drops by like let's say fifty percent, you can say okay, a couple months or a month with a seven x APR, you will get back. But you're right. Uh, this could go even further, and you just don't know, right? So uh, that's why you get these high APRs. Um, I, I just heard this from I think Sefi or somebody else who was like, "Yeah, you get these APRs because the token expects such volatility that you're rewarded for investing and staking during that." Hey guys, yeah. If you really want to know the you know profit potential of something like Wonderland. Just they, I I had like a bunch of conversations with uh, that team, like uh, Sifu and everything, and they claim that the um, that the backing price is what they back it up to, but the backing price keeps going down. And so, if you really want to have a sense of how to, you know, how long until you're in profit, just assume that the backing goes to one dollar, and then 
make an assumption, you know, around what the APY will be when the backing's at a dollar. Let's say it's, uh, you know, basically like a hundredfold less, right? A hun- divide that by like a hundred. Um, and then you can get a sense of like the day on which you'll break even. And the, literally the day after that day, you will make the price of whatever that token is, time, times the number of time tokens you have. So if you actually hold on for like probably five years and the thing is still around and it's worth even just a dollar, you might still make good money at that point. So in a weird way, it's almost like a retirement account. But um, it's a retirement account that's going to decline in value insanely until such time as you actually start generating a return. It's almost as if you put in enough money into an annuity in the beginning to fund yourself in your retirement. And every day you watch the value of the annuity go down and down and down and down and down. And then one day you actually get disbursements from the annuity. It's weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely helps. And I think it, um, matters what price you had gotten in. Like if I would had gotten in at this price rather than nine thousand dollars, <laughs> yeah, I think I might be in better shape, right? And and also I think is a function of how productive their treasury is. Yeah, and they've I think they're smart guys, you know, and and they've made some incredible products. Um, but I I think it's difficult to be able to judge on whether they want to be able to deliver on the promises. Like they've talked about buying a game studio and building an yeah. actual game. You know, are are a bunch of DeFi guys going to be able to do that? I mean, they've got a huge um, treasury here, like $1.4 billion or something like that. So they can definitely uh, pull their weight around. But I think building products in the real world is a, a whole different um, set of competencies. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see whether that happens or not. Maybe I'll regret pulling my money out, but um, yeah, that's a, yeah. I invested at like 6,000 into, into Wonderland and pulled all my money out at like, it went up to, you know, nine and then it started to go down and I started to really look into it and I pulled all my money out at seven and I, I got lucky in that I didn't lose any money on this. But then after looking into it, I started going into their discords and trying to have conversations with all the people in there because it was a very, very active um, discord community with sometimes like, you know, hundreds of people in the voice chat or like 100 people. And I started explaining to them, like, based on my research, like, there is just so much that has to go right for these projects in order for them to return after, you know, like, because they're diluting themselves, they're diluting all the, the token holders so much. Like you're basically needing to assume that you'll hold the token for a really long time, which comes with a lot of opportunity costs. And then you have to, you have to hope that the APY continues for long enough for you to accumulate a large stack of the token. And then you have to hope that they execute against their roadmap of like basically being a managed fund that outperforms the market. It's just too much. It's like too much, in my opinion to bet on basically you know yeah cool well thanks for that perspective i really appreciate it all right we're about at the hour we got about four minutes left i really appreciate everyone jumping in and um you guys are welcome to stay on here and chat with each other 
you know, these voice channels are here. I've seen people start to jump in and out every once in a while. Feel free to use it as you need. If you'd like to see a different set of text channels um, that um, kind of focus in on specific strategies, feel free to add those. You notice we just added a PRISM channel and the investment strategy. Um, we'll try not to go crazy with too many channels, but uh, we definitely want to allow you guys. We also added an off-topic. Obviously, we're devoted to the Terra ecosystem, but you know, like we just were talking about Wonderland, um, if you do have questions, um, you know, feel free to post those in the off-topic uh, channel, and uh, you can get some great answers. You know, I've explored a lot of different e ecosystems, and the more I explore, the more I like uh, Terra. I think it's a really special place, and there's a lot of great uh, uh, financial Lego blocks. So, super excited about um, everything that's going on in the Terra ecosystem. And uh, again, thank you guys for. Can yeah. You, can you hear me? Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting all boomer on you guys. Discord, Discord really triggers my ADD, but I think I'm figuring it out. Uh, did you have a couple minutes on the silver? Yeah. So, first of all, I think Clean Cuts is awesome. I think he's a mad genius, and um, the silver looping strategy is awesome. But I was turned off it originally just because you know I disagree with the statement that it's a stable asset. And in mm -hmm. fact, I just pulled up the monthly chart, like where the monthly bars and it's stable until it's not. And when it's not, you just get totally wrecked. <laughs> and so I, um, I discredited that strategy in the beginning, but I made a whole video about like replacing with the S and P, uh, the MSPY. And I, I understand your long certain stuff, but it could be a good way to hedge just because unlike silver, the S and P, he just kind of grinds up or melts up it doesn't it doesn't like spike up massive amounts and when it has it's usually at the tail end of a drop so it, it might be something worth considering because i'm looking at a monthly chart of the silver and it kind of looks like it's making a flag on the monthly chart and if it spikes up back to the just the most recent all-time high from 20 to 26 that's just going to totally wreck that position yeah that's a good point cool and i like it yeah if you think about it, the powers that be that are suppressing crypto, they're having a hard time doing it. And and one of my theories is that's part of the reason why they wanted futures instruments, because that's how they've shorted metals for so long. They've created all these paper derivatives. And so they could just suppress gold and silver to oblivion. But I mean, they're both totally undervalued with the with the money printing. So after I posted my video, it's on it's on YouTube. But after I posted it, Clean Cuts basically responded saying Thanks, and I've replaced most of my silver with the S and P. <laughs> so take take that for what you will. That even the uh, the mad genius of the original looping strategy is is no longer short or as short silver. Yeah. So uh, S and why would you want a short S and P? Wouldn't that also go up over time? Well, since if you use a AUST, I have a if I don't even loop it, I have a nineteen percent buffer. Mm -hmm. And if I pull up the same SPY on the monthly chart, like it's ridiculous, like on a magic carpet ride and we shut down the global economy for a year and a half. So I think if I loop it, call it twice and I have 30% room to be wrong to the upside, mm -hmm. like you can just multiply the SPY price, whatever it is, 462 times 1.3 over the next year. Mm -hmm. I'll take that risk. Yeah. Like, and even if it gets there, what can I do? I could just keep slapping more AUSC and there's an opportunity cost in 
Nia, my prior AUST, like I lose my earnings on that. But as soon as there's one correction and those, it's kind of like the mirror image of silver, like silver spikes up and it kind of stabilizes or just kind of grinds down. The S&P is the opposite. It just kind of grinds up. But when it goes down, it just like falls off a cliff. And mm -hmm. one of those come and I monetize all of it, whether I DCA in or out of it. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. And the other question I had is how do you measure it? Does 8Board correctly report uh, when you borrow against AUST as a negative? <clears throat> That's a good question. I see all my positions on there. So I see all the MSPY and I see the collateral. But no, I think it's reporting the value of the short. It's either reporting the value of the short SPY or the delta. I don't know. That's a really good question. I'll hey, look into that. Hey, Hutch. seems to be showing I the collateral value minus the reward amount. It seems all right, unless I'm missing something. Okay. Sorry, I have a question about that strategy, the short SPY with AUST. Like, how do you, I, I'm not, I, I don't have much experience shorting. So like, how do you um, know what the profit potential of the short is, um, you know, for a given amount of, you know, AUST that you're putting in there? So like, what if spy, what if you're sitting there with your AUST for like a year and a half or two years and spy just keeps kind of slowly grinding up? And then it does correct, but it only corrects like, you know, 10% or something like that, which is a big correction for SPY. But like, how do you know, how do you estimate what it would have to drop by in order for you to be profitable? Well, I think you just, I think you did it there. So just if you follow Dr. Clean, it's like D-R-C-L-E-4 instead of an N, Dr. Clean. He, if you look through his uh, posts, he did one based on, he loops more aggressively than I do. Um, and they're pretty impressive numbers. And, but he kind of breaks it down in terms of if the S&P goes up, like basically the, in, with his loop, the S&P has to go up like well over 50% to be even in the negative. And then he kind of breaks it down. But I think you kind of said it right there. I mean, it's, it's all on a time scale. So if you annualize everything, like it's going to be dynamic. So like there's, there's a better um, Excel architects on here than I am. And I'm happy to collaborate or contribute, but essentially it's this, you have the slow melt up of AUST at 19 and a half percent times, however many times you loop it. And like each, if you're going to loop it once, twice, three times, like that could be its own sheet. Right. So that's like one component. And then it's like, I think it's better than just do annually, do like quarterly, like one quarter, two quarter, three quarter, four quarter, five quarter, six quarter. So there's that. And then the short is really simple. If the S&P corrects 10% from the original position, well, you're going to make 10% when you buy it back and close out the position less than one and a half mint fee. If it, does it 25%, you're going to close it out less than one and a half minute fee and whatever premium differential there is. So like give yourself a little wiggle room, but that's pretty, that part's really linear, right? Oh, However much it. it corrects is how much you're going to make on the short. So there's two components. There's, you're going to get appreciation or in this case, whatever depreciation on the short. 
and that's just going to be whatever it is, less the skew from the mint fee and differential and premium between when you got in, when you got out, but that nobody can really measure. Um, so the wind, there's the windfall component and the yield component. Mm -hmm. So I think somebody, you know, some big brain in here who's a XL architect could make a really cool multi-tab spreadsheet where it just kind of lays it out. But it just seems like if you watch my video, I, in my stream of consciousness, ADDD way, like break it down, like why I think it's a good thesis and why I've continued to dollar cost average into that position every day since then. Why not just um, go along the Vixie with AUST on mirror? So whenever you go long on mirror, you can't, you, I don't believe you can use AUST. You have to actually use UST. So I'm a DGen and I like multiple bites of the apple. So there's an opportunity cost. It's like, it. that's part of the reason what attracted me to the Terra ecosystem is I don't like this or that. I like this and that. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. So it's because you can still get your 20% or your 19.5% while you're doing the strategy with spy, shorting spy that you don't just, you know, that where you can't do that on mirror when you uh, buy an asset, like go long an asset. Well, there's that. And the other thing that I bring up in my video that it, like, I think really kind of breaks down the whole kind of all the, some of the parts of why it's a good thesis. If you just go long the derivative, the whatever, the Vixie thing, if you go long that, I mean, first of all, you're dealing of a derivative of a derivative of a derivative, which isn't awesome. Uh, second of all, you're kind of putting a line in the sand right here at this moment. The AUST component, the yield, gives you room to be wrong or not time it perfectly and still win. Versus if you just go long with UST, the Vixie, it's like, okay, you're drawing the line in the sand right here. My line in the sand is uh, we could go up 20% mm -hmm. and stay and, I'm, and if I move twice, I'm going to make money. This is kind of like Nassim Taleb's big thing where like you, you sell at the money, um, like you make a tiny bit of money or you lose a tiny bit of money like consistently by selling at the money options that are probably always going to expire worthless, but you're, and you're constantly losing a tiny bit of money. But then one day when there's like a, a black swan event, which nobody can predict, but they happen every once in a while, uh, you, you, you make it all back. And then some, it's just, it's too bad that you can't really use much leverage mm -hmm. with this strategy. Cause I worry that the melt up could continue. Well, I mean, it'd be good for the world, right? Mm -hmm. If a lot of people need the consistency of spy going up, but, but in terms of you making money on this strategy, like it, it, it's very possible that spy could keep going up for like another decade, I think, or five years. I, do, I don't think that, but it is possible, but let's just, let's just talk about both, both things. Okay. So for anybody who's worried about spell continuing to go like more than likely, like the gentleman who was talking about how he got into mirror because he liked the mirrored assets and he has Amazon, you're already overexposed to that side of the fence. So that's, I call it almost like a quasi Delta neutral and you're probably not going to be Delta neutral. You're still going to be way net long. So mm. if you look at it almost like, yeah. if you think that the six, the 64, 40 portfolios just fucking dead and yeah. has been dead for a long time, 
if you're wrong and the S&P goes up 15%, isn't it still better than a 60-40 portfolio? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because there's a type of hedge fund I forget what they call it, but it's where you're like not exposed to you're not exposed to any sort of market risk. Um, it, it's like delta neutral, but I, but it's not that's not the phrase they use. But market neutral, I think maybe. Um, and well, so guess, there's there's that. That's if you're doing iron condors and strangles. But then you're then you're actually you lose if there's a big move in either way. And honestly, like going back to my opinion, and then I think it's worth talking about the people that do are worried about the melt up. Uh, and the whole kind of quasi delta neutral, but my theory is, granted, I've been I've been thinking this is going to happen for the last thirteen years. So could it go on for another thirteen? Maybe. Do we generally correct somewhere between seven to ten years? I think we're kind of ripe for the picking, but this is not investment advice, and everybody has to do their own research. But if you look at, I actually go over the chart and show, like towards the end of a bull run, we start to get really steep and parabolic. And that's kind of what we're doing right now. So like from a TA standpoint, that's there. And from an FA standpoint, we shut down the global economy for a year and a half. And we printed a bunch of paper. And so everybody's like, we, <laughs> but it's ugly. And it could keep, like they could continue to manipulate it. I think there will be at least those little 10 or 20% retracements that happen. And that's why I have like little tranches, almost like you would like ladder a bomb portfolio of this because I probably won't cash them all out, but I might take some windfall and take some profits. And then going back to the, if you're worried about the S and P melting up and the, um, it being like a 60 portfolio, the more the S and P goes up, like let's say we're wrong and it goes up for a year and a half. And you have to just keep adding collateral to manage this position. Or we go up, the more ripe we are to fall. So yeah, it may erode some or all of your original AUST gains. But if you look at it as almost just like the portfolio buffer, which is why people get into 30, 40 portfolios and that you're already like probably uber long in your trad five portfolio and you just keep layering on AUST, it's still better than any bond you can get. What about mm-hmm. right? um, the, the long-term uh, anchor reserve? Uh, do you have a take on that? Um, do I have a take on whether it's viable or whatever? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, my understanding is that they're off by about 2.5%. So the anchor is currently covering the yield um, minus 2.5%. So if they lowered the anchor yield on stables by 2.5%, they would be there. So it's what? seventeen? It's 19.5 APY. I think that equates to 17.5 APR. And so they're bringing in about yeah. 15% is my interpretation of that. And that shortfall is what is causing the anchor yield reserve to go down. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any other takes on that? Um, as, as we bring in new assets that are yield bearing like uh, Sol and Atom, that might help, but it seems like you would still be likely to have the same ratio of people borrowing as in saving. And that uh, yield depletion might continue to happen. Um, so especially when you're talking about leverage strategy against the stable yield, um, like MIM, which is a large percentage of the UST minting right now, um, that's doing like, I don't know, five times looping. Um, 
that that might make it more difficult long term after maybe four months to keep using that strategy? I don't know. What are your what's your take on that? I, I see what you're saying. So you're saying like, is that nice? yield sustainable and so i might kind of back myself into a corner where where really i only have like 15 or 10 percent to the upside that that's that's what you're you're asking yeah 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 um yeah it could be so i mean this is a, a i'm gonna tangent a little bit to answer your question so my theory and it's just totally my theory i'm not involved with tfl i don't know those guys i'm like in awe and uh, I'm not worthy as far as what they've made, but my theory on the 19% is like right now I looked, I was paying like 14 and a half to borrow and they're still paying earners 19%. So my theory is they're going to keep that 19% as long as they possibly can, because that's bait for people to come in the ecosystem. Cause that's how we're all going to make it. And so they, you know, the yield reserve is just almost like the price to pay to like what 19% and get people coming in here, whether it's doing the, the DJ box or whatever, just get massive adoption. And then I was on the anchor AMA and those guys said basically that they're sprinting and hiring other people to accept other assets, ETH and soul, but not even just like a bonded version, like the actual native assets and just like mirror has its own front end skin elsewhere they're they're setting it up so that it, they don't even have to come into Terra if they don't want there's just going to be like a eth version of an anchor skin somewhere out in eth land and and solana land or whatever whatever that whatever that looks like so there's mass adoption so gotcha. as okay, these yield bearing so... assets come in uh that's going to be really really positive and bullish and so i think everybody's been fighting about the yield, yield reserve I think they're just like, who cares? Like, let's just, let's run and get this thing done and then it'll take care of itself. Now, obviously the anchor token's gonna run out and that's part of the reason why I've been working with uh, Lunanomics and doing spaces with Cephi and everything because I think my theory is the more DGENs we can train, the more sustainable anchor is long-term. Like we need to actually get people excited about like sustainable borrowing, not like, hey, go get yourself wrecked borrowing and it's a bunch of free money and whatever, but like really teaching them how to manage and teaching them how to to use leverage in a way that's strategic and responsible, but with contingency plans so that they don't get wrecked. Because if we could build sustainable borrowers, not only on Terra, but then we get more and more people jumping on those classes from Seoul and Eveland, and they don't even have to, they don't have to pay any tax because they don't have to like swap to a bonded thing. They could just like park their ETH and borrow against it and double down. And like, I, my hope is, and one of my personal missions for my involvement in, the, in this is to create a lot of long-term sustainable DGENs so that Anchor is maybe not sustainable in the way it is now, but going back to my theory, 19% is like the teaser rate or the bait to get people in. Once they're in, even if it drops to 13 or 12, I'll still do my SPY strategy. I think by then I will have, I will have gotten the windfall, but I, I think it's still viable at that level, especially since you could just, it's not like 12 is my line on the sand. I could just keep throwing a AUST and it's an opportunity cost. But again, going back to, my mission, which I don't even know if this is theirs, it's just my theory, is just like, if we build it, they will come. 
And if, if they come, it, everything will take care of itself as long as there's a good balance of borrowers and savers. And if there's not, there needs to be some compression of that savings rate. And that's fine because they're going to come. And even if it's 12 and some other shit platforms offering 14, by then we're going to have like 200 amazing D apps, on ramps, off ramps, debit cards, whatever, you name it. Is anybody really going to leave? So that's my, yeah. that's my long-term unconfirmed theory. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I think I like that idea. So Lido gets cut out of the picture. So there's an extra few percentage that goes straight to Anchor instead of being paid to Lido. So that would help. Uh, and then additional assets uh, also would help. And if it lowers from 19.5% to 17 or 15, you think it's still viable. You don't think there's going to be like a mass exodus to other sources because it'll still be higher than anything else out there. So I like that theory. I th even if it's not higher, like I think we could, I think once we build it and everybody comes and there's so much amazing shit that you can do without ever have to leaving the ecosystem. Or even if you're in ETH land and Solana land and it's just so easy to slide the bar and whatever and anchors this massive thing and UST is the most stable. Like, you know, are people really are people really going to go like some will like great, go get that one and a half percent and then it depegs and they get wrecked. And I, I just I just think we don't even have to be the highest yielding stable coin to get them to come once we get all the momentum here. Yeah, especially if you use your borrowed money to use a stable yield, um, I would be attracted to that. I don't, I'm not currently borrowing because I don't like to leverage as much. I'm a little more conservative. But if I were to borrow and then do this stable coin uh, strategy against MSPY that you just outlined and get 40% or 30% on my UST, I think that's incredibly um, uh, attractive and within my risk tolerance. So I like it. Me, me too. Now, I will say, because I'm trying to help build sustainable DGENs here, and even if you do it in a low LTV, the one kind of chink in the armor, if you will, for this, and I realized it on accident on um, uh, last Thursday when, <laughs> when things started to fall, is you. somebody had told me on a spaces that you can't close out your SPY position if you need the cash to manage your loan. But they said if you over collateralize it, you can you can like take the over collateralized amount. And I was like, that's cool. And I just took him at face value because I had been up the, the, all the entire night before kind of managing and I took him at face value. So I over collateralized and I'm like, this is just going to be my new kind of anchor earn plus. Right. And then Friday, uh, uh, I forget if it was Thursday night or Friday night. I went to go get it. I was like, holy shit, he, he was wrong. <laughs> I'm screwed here. Uh, but thankfully, we didn't. We only dropped as far as we did, and I didn't get liquidated. But that's the only downside: is off-market hours. It's kind of a trapped and frozen asset. So I would say, it sounds like you're not going to go crazy DGen on your LTV number, but this almost has to kind of ride al ride along on its own, or you have to check it every day at like twelve thirty Pacific time or whatever, three thirty Eastern. Time time and just keep your loans down to the minimum which by the way that's another advantage of the mspy silver you i think you get liquidated at what is it like either 150 or 200 i think you have to keep 200 percent collateral or maybe you get liquidated to whatever it is it's less so you only you get liquidated at 130 130 percent collateral and so Dr. Clean said he was only collateralizing it at like 147. I'm like in low 150s nice. 
I'm collateralizing it, but you can, you can, you can get exposure with less out of pocket collateral. So that's another advantage to the SPY over silver. Yeah. It's like 180 versus 200 MSPY is oh, 180. Well, that's 180 to be in their, in their prescribed safe zone. But to, to clean's point, I said, wow, dude, why are you writing 47? He goes, because the S&P would have to jump up like 10% in a day, which from here, it actually has to jump up more than that for him to go from him to get wrecked at 147. So like I said, I ride at like 150 something just because I plan to do management every day. But like if I just don't need to keep if I don't need to keep it on there. Like, why would I like I'll, I'll manage it if I need to, but I want to be I want it to be as as. uh the least capital intensive as possible, but everybody has their own risk tolerances. So like, yeah, if you're at 180, I mean, you're you've got a lot of room to be wrong there. Nice. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. I'm going to step down and let anyone else talk, but again, thank you everybody. And thank you Hutch and everybody for your inputs. Yeah. You got it. Hey Hutch. Uh, hey Hutch. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether like you or like anybody else here knows how to like build bots on the Terra Terra ecosystem. Like I've heard like C5 mention it. Also like Jimmy on the Prism spaces mentioned that he was thinking of making a bot. So like I just wanted to get started like on how to like make a bot because I have some co uh, coding knowledge, but I don't know how to get started at all. So like. Hey guys, this is yeah, Danby. So I can probably take that one too if you want, Hutch. Uh, please do because here's what I'm good at. I think and I talk and like I couldn't even get my mic to work, so I'm definitely not the bot, the bot, the bot guy. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have any experience with bots either. But Poppy was just talking about this a few days ago in one of the spaces. He uses something called TerraJS. So if you have any JavaScript uh, uh, skills, you can use that uh, framework to uh, write bots that will uh, do transactions on Terra for you. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, oh, okay, thank you. Tweet me because I have some ideas of bots that I'd love to have. But again, unless I could just think or talk them into existence, it's never going to happen with me. Yeah, I'll, I'll look into it. I have like Python knowledge, but uh, I've not uh, worked with JavaScript. I'll, it'll probably take me some time before I get get it up and working or something. I do know there is a Python SDK for Terra as well, um, so you could check that out too. Um, or you could ping uh, Poppy, and he might have some like uh, examples of uh, open source stuff that he's wrote that you could use to uh, kind of on-ramp your JavaScript. Okay. Uh, can I get like the Twitter profile for CryptoNight at at CryptoNight? Okay. Sure. Thank you. It's, it's like K N I G H T, I think. Yeah. If you have any trouble finding it, feel free to just ping me in Discord, and I'll send you the links. Sure. Oh, I found him. Hey, is Church Key still here? He was the one talking about Levana, correct? Is that who was talking about Levana earlier? Yeah. Yeah, that was the Church Key. Oh, is he still yeah, here? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Hey, Did you made me that awesome video, and uh, I haven't done anything with it, but, like, dude, I think it's publishable just in its current form. Like, you are definitely, like, the Levana guru. And I spend about, about doing that? I spend about four hours a day, uh, you know, as a, I mean, I'm a mod on the, on their server. Um, but beyond that, for the last few months, I've, I mean, this has been a master class in DeFi. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. You got any questions? 
No, but I mean, I, I was going to help you out. It's just cool. Like we we're in this community and we all kind of have our, you know, like my whole thing is where TradFi and DeFi intersect with money moves. Uh, you're I, like, I don't know what your thing is beyond Levana, but I mean, I think everybody loves specialists and, you know, I did, I know you made that video just for me, which is cool. I haven't done anything with it, but do you, I mean, I'll publish it if you want, or if you want to publish something, something i'll tweet about it. i just i just think oh. the community like everybody was blown away here today and i just think the community would want to see something like that well i'd really like to be able to do that i mean my background is i've got over 20 years in uh you know, flipping uh toys and collectibles uh as part of my career so i found the nft space is it it just makes absolute total sense to me for the way my brain works like i'm yeah. not a I'm not like you guys knowing all the math and the curves and all that stuff. So I'm trying to learn that, but I'm naturally in the flow of, you know, creative assets that, you know, you can hang on your wall or flip them and that sort of thing. So I'm, I mean, you can do a five, six X on your Luna stack just, but just in a month between the mint of, uh, you know, a utility NFT. I mean, it's, I put together a three page PDF yesterday. Um, I just don't know, you know, where to go to publish it so people can read it. I mean, if I put on here, nobody knows me, so I don't want people to, you know, freak out about clicking a PDF link. So, I mean, maybe I can, I you got any advice on that? Y'all can read it and do what you want with it. The info. I think there are pinned PDFs in the, uh, in this discord. I think. Um, I, I go to pin messages at the top. I think there's one flowchart that's a PDF that was pinned by somebody that goes through Lunomics um, stacking strategy. There's, I mean, really, you should probably just set up like seems like what other people are doing are setting up like a kind of like a dummy Google Docs account. Yeah. Okay. That's probably that's probably your best bet because I mean, listen, man, you got some great stuff, and that what you said about your background that totally makes sense, and that's just really really cool, and I think like. Those like I would play in it if I just felt like I had some guidance and some early guidance, right? And so, like you, you could make a channel like with that same dummy Gmail account. You could make a channel and freaking blow that thing up, man! It'd be amazing. Yeah, Give me like that, a, that would be Twitter amazing. Channel? What no, about medium? YouTube channel? Medium, could YouTube, be done yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, I like the way you know. I, mean, I don't want to put my face out there, but I like what Rebel DeFi does. It's just, you know, it's got his avatar and he talks. Um, I have done a lot of video content for my other career. Um, but I, I'm really good at video editing and, and writing and stuff. So um, what is a utility cool. NFT? What? What is a utility NFT? Well, for um, you know, like you, you, if you look at the avatars right here, you've got a lot of little you know, the, uh, the, the bit graphics from old video games and stuff. Um, some of these like galactic punks, I, I think from what I've read, they have a bit of utility through airdrops and whatnot. And I guess it's going to grow into something, but NFTs for Levana are going to be assets of the video game. They're also going to be the primary assets, uh, connected to the, um, leverage platform when it launches before it launches its mars protocol has to launch so um the dragons you know they raised over four million dollars in the mint 
and that is going to go to the original um, liquidity pool. If I'm, you know, if I understand it right, if you go to their medium, uh, their channel on medium, uh, and go to I think the December twenty second post, do a really good rundown on where they are, what they're accomplishing, um, and the roadmap. But the the um, the NFTs, you know, it started as a meteor, then it became, you know, then you cracked your meteor and you either got an egg or dust. And originally, you know, those meteors went from eight UST on up to like thirty seven thousand UST, depending on how much was gifted. Those NFTs have a spirit value, which is connected to the UST dollar amount. And you know, if you have an egg, floor price has gone up about three x in the last month. I think right now for the comment, if you go to randomearth.io and you look it up, see the floor price is about 3.5 Luna for one common egg. If you go up different tiers, you you can get them for 100 Luna, 200 Luna or more. And they're going to have staking and farming of these assets. Um, More than I can really explain right here in Discord, but. their medium channel really goes into it well. Um, and if airdrops, you know, they, they haven't said specifically how airdrops are going to work, but if airdrops are connected to the spirit level um, of the NFTs, then those would be the first um, Levana tokens. And they're going to go to the first people who, you know, the people who own the NFTs. So it, it hasn't been done before. Um, especially on Terra. Hey guys, I, I got to jump. Churchy, I just sent you a, a DM. Hit me up later if you. I, I think you should really do it. I think it'd be cool and it'd be hugely, hugely popular. So happy to All share right, some advice or, or, or do like a co video and uh, launch your uh, your new channel. Let's do, Let's do it. Thanks, man. Cool. All right, thanks everybody. See y'all. Bye. Later. Hey, how do I leave? I'm such a boomer. <laughs> I can't get uh, phone hang up button. Hang up button. Gosh, I don't even okay, see well, a damn hang up phone icon uh-huh. called disconnect. On your desktop, yeah, left. Dan, I'm going to hit you up too. I'm just going to turn <laughs> it off. All right. Yeah, someone can probably just take you out of the uh, voice server. Hey, does anybody here know anything about, excuse me, Hex or Pulse Chain or Pulse X? I've been seeing so much stuff on YouTube about the founder of that, uh, Richard. I forget what his last name is. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking to learn more about it. Does anybody know about that stuff? I don't know. Sorry. What do you know about it? Oh, almost nothing. I I just listened to, um, the founder talk mostly about himself on some interviews and like what he's done and everything, but I haven't really jumped into any of the review videos cause I still don't know who is like a good resource you know what i mean like i'm hesitant to spend a couple hours watching a bunch of youtubers talk about something whether it's a scam or not until i actually know like who is a good you know source of information to begin with so like is i wish on i Terra, knew... or is it something else no it's not on Terra. it's its own it's its own chain um uh, i got you that's pretty much all i know i mean i here's what i know about it it's like a it's a staking coin it has its own blockchain and it's a staking coin. It's a fork of Ethereum. And the whole point, I guess, is to lock your funds for like many years. And 
I guess you, you know, you accrue uh, the staking yield for all those years and it compounds. And I think as people unstake, if, if you lock your stake for a certain amount of years and you unlock it um, early, you pay a penalty. And if you unlock it late, you pay a penalty. So I think you have like this grace period around, like, let's say you lock it for five years. If you unlock it, you know, like four years in, you pay a penalty. Or if you unlock it like five and a half years in, you um, you pay a penalty. But if you unlock it in the like month around your unlock period, you, you pay no penalty, basically. So... Um, yeah, I, 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 that's pretty much all I know about it. And I know that the founder of the project or like the guy behind the project has a lot of controversy around him, but that's about it. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Anyone else yeah, have but, any other uh, questions about what uh, we talked about today? I didn't catch any of the, or much of the earlier discussion or if there's something presented or something, but I, I do have a question that maybe the, the, somebody in the group might know. I'm just curious if anybody in here uses the Meow Trader uh limit orders does anybody know how to use that or uh i have used it before um basically it, there's certain pairs you can use. Or... uh yeah um okay. you just have to have uh some meow token to execute trades so my understanding is that when the limit orders are processed whoever bid the most meow gets priority on having their limit orders go through first mm -hmm. so yeah, it's a it's a great way to uh, try to buy Luna on a discount or oh. sell it on a premium. Okay, cool. Thanks. I, I don't know if it's been like audited by like Halborn or anything, but I know. Oh yeah, I, I doubt that very much. Them. My understanding is it it was like a side project by somebody just kind of for the hell of it, and people have kind of sort of yeah. I would it. throw a whole lot at it until uh, they go through a security audit. But yeah, definitely play with it. Let's see, I don't see any of the uh, the orbital guys left in here. Um, so yeah. If there's no other questions, then uh, I'll just say thank you on their behalf for uh, coming out. I think there's going to be more events happening in the near future. You can just check it out on the uh, events page at the top of the server. looks like the next one is going to be on Wednesday, January 19th at 1 p.m. Eastern, and it's going to be on Prism. So hope you guys can come join us for that. See you guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the DeFi on Terra workshop hosted by Orbital Command's Terra Investment Strategies Discord with Lunomics. Come by, check it out. Links in the show notes. This episode of The Ether was brought to you by Orbital Command, a community validator on Terra dedicated to educating, expanding, and promoting the lunatic community. Find out more at orbitalcommand.io. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sipping on a little bit of sin I've been giving Try to keep it written down So it feels like I've been living I've been realizing a minute Reality ain't got limits Going out my fucking mind Testing out the physics Stretching out the distance For instance Let me be specific The risk is hedge funding the business Betting on the difference Ingesting all the research Sleeping through the rebirth Sliding out feet first Sleep tight little dreamer Early to bed Early to rise With a rugged ass demeanor Taking beats to the cleaners You know I love my t-shirts And the people who support my little dream here Transparent cows, I gotta steer clear 2020 going down is one fucking weird year Take a second, look around, the psyops is winning Set the table, we just biopsy dinner Now, I'm gonna react to that and act like I'm telling you a personal anecdote Something to break the tension 
something to endear myself a little bit. Something kind of uh, embarrassing. <laughs> and you guys are going to make an awesome sound. It's true. It really happened. They got a tracker in the phone, tracking everywhere we go. When it's fine if I don't know, I already sold my soul. Getting ready, rock and roll, tip the first domino. Feeling up, I'm in a bowl with these avalanche flows. Stop and rest on the road, gotta get where I'm going. And the rest of y'all know that we hit the ground soaring. I'll be coming for the fuckers that be summoning the trouble. Running on the double while I'm handing out the W's. Putting wins on the board every fucking day. They love me on the team because I know my fucking place. Better get in where you fit in, I'm delivering the meaning. I I inherited the demons, always sneaky, never seen them If I'm breathing, I'm reading, I'm not even being conceited I need to see for myself if you think that I'm believing It's the season of reason, y'all be ceasing the research I'm receiving the meaning, that shit's called teamwork It's not so much as so little has to do with what everything is But it is within our self-interest to understand the topography of our lives unto ourselves the future states that there is no time other than the collapsation of that sensation of the mirror of the memories in which we are living. Common knowledge, but important nonetheless. Channel Spaces.